Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Hi there everybody, great to be with you again. Well, many of us have a sibling or more. Growing up, I had one brother and one sister. Here's a picture of us that was taken six years ago this last week with our parents at my nephew's wedding. It's actually quite a precious picture to me, as my sister in the picture, Sharon, lives in Melbourne, and my brother, Ross, had recently returned to Palmerston North from Sydney, where he had been living. He'd been diagnosed with cancer, so he came home. With our family living up here in Auckland, it was actually the last photo taken with my two siblings before my brother Ross died just over five years ago now. When you think about your siblings, I know that some of you find yourselves to be very similar to them. You might even look kind of the same. You might think similarly. You might have similar mannerisms, but that's not my story. The three of us, well, we come from the same parents, but we're all so very different to one another. It made for a very interesting upbringing as we navigated our personalities. Well, here's another picture. A picture of some brothers that was taken a long time ago. Their names are Peter and Andrew. While they look fairly similar in this picture, I mean, let's be honest, you can only do so much with Lego Man. That couldn't be further from the truth. While they came from the same parents as well, and while they ended up in the same occupation as fishermen, they, like my siblings, were so very different to each other. I believe that the saying is true that the beauty of the world lies in the diversity of its people. We are better together, and we are all the better because we're not all the same. Last week, I talked about one of these two brothers, Lego men, talked about Peter as part of a series that we're working through called Character Matters. We're doing some character studies of some of the people who were closest to Jesus to see how they grew in their character while they were around Jesus and what difference that made to those who they were ultimately around later in their lives. Last week, I talked about a significant disciple of Jesus, one of the brothers, called Peter. He was a a natural leader, quite brazen, impetuous, idealistic, but mostly a slow learner. I looked at how his character grew through what we might call failure, as we looked at four different incidents in his life where Jesus must have just been shaking his head in disbelief. Look up my notes on our website or on our app to review that message and for more details about that. The key dynamic of Peter, though, that ultimately shows how his character developed was stickability. No matter how many times he let Jesus down, he never abandoned Jesus. He hung in there with Jesus and saw everything firsthand. And through that, he learned a lot. And ultimately, he became a prolific leader, a public speaker, a church planter. He even authored letters that have become part of the Bible, God's words to us. Peter was a big deal. Today, though, 
I'm going to look at Peter's brother, Andrew, who couldn't be any more different from Peter. Now, don't get me wrong. Different doesn't mean that he's better or worse than Peter. He's just different. He's Andrew. As I said, the beauty of the world lies in the diversity of its people, even in our families. This is probably the biggest lesson I try to teach younger people today, including my own kids, who are different from each other. As the famous author, Dr. Seuss, once said, Today you are you that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. <laughs> the wonderful thing about considering the life of Andrew is that we can look at every reference in the Bible about him in a relatively brief time. Because unlike his brother Peter, there aren't many references to Andrew. In fact, he's only mentioned in the New Testament 12 times. And of that 12, four times are in the lists of the names of the apostles. We see that in Matthew chapter 10, Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 6, and Acts chapter 1. Take those four out, we've only got eight passages left. Of that eight, two references refer to Jesus' calling of the disciples and Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1, Jesus says to Andrew, Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Take those two passages out and, well, we're down to six. And of that six passages, two are where Andrew is only mentioned in passing. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is at Peter and Andrew's home, but the event was about Peter's mother-in-law. And in John chapter 1, we simply learn that Andrew was from the town of Bethsaida. Knocking these passages off, then we're only left with four references from which we can try and learn something about character that might make a difference in our lives today. Before we get to these four passages, though, I want to look at the conclusion of what those four passages say about Andrew's character. And we can do that by looking at the legacy that Andrew left the world. Because if we have allowed God to develop and shape character within us, then we should expect to see some outworking of that, what we might call the fruit of the Spirit. So, what do we see in the fruit of Andrew's life that is the outworking of the four scriptures that we've ended up with? Well, here we go, where we talk about his legacy. After Jesus' death, resurrection, and subsequent ascension, Andrew, like the other apostles, went out into the world with the words of the Great Commission ringing in his ears to spread the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, baptizing them and teaching them. Well, you know the verse of the Great Commission. Accounts differ as to the extent of his travels. Oregon and Eusebius believed that Andrew initially traveled around the Black Sea as far as Ukraine and Russia, while other accounts focus on Andrew's later evangelism in Byzantium and in Asia Minor. What we do know is that in 1320, Pope John XXII made him a saint. And to this day, St. Andrew is the patron saint of fishermen and singers, as well as the patron saint of Scotland and Russia. Quite the legacy there. As far as we know, Andrew never preached to multitudes or founded any churches. 
And he never wrote an epistle that is part of the Bible. He isn't mentioned in the book of Acts or any of the letters to churches in the New Testament. He's more of a silhouette than a portrait on the pages of Scripture. But he sure made a difference in many lives. While we're largely unsure about what he did, we do know that he ruffled enough feathers that he ended up being crucified in Archaea in, in southern Greece near Athens. One account says that he led the wife of a provincial Roman governor to Jesus, to Christ, and that infuriated her husband so much that he demanded his wife recant her devotion to Jesus. And when she refused, the governor had Andrew crucified. And there's more. By the governor's orders, those who crucified him tied him to the cross instead of nailing him to the cross in order to prolong his suffering. The story says that he hung on the cross for two days, but kept exhorting passers-by to turn to Christ for their salvation. Reports further state that the cross that Andrew was crucified on was, was X-shaped, a shape that he is iconographically represented by throughout history, which was the inspiration for the cross that is depicted on the Scottish flag. The Declaration of Arbroath cites Scotland's conversion to Christianity by St. Andrew, the first to be an apostle, they say. Think about everything that you know that is called St. Andrew's throughout the world. Churches, primary schools, secondary schools, universities, retirement villages, hospitals, a small town on South Canterbury with its own St. Andrew's Recreation Reserve. And I know that some of you are calling out, don't forget about St. Andrew's Golf Course in Hamilton. Oh, and of course, St. Andrew's in Scotland, the home of golf. Interesting fact for the day is a byline. The old course at St. Andrew's is considered by many to be the home of golf because golf was first played on the links at St. Andrew's in the early 15th century. Golf was becoming increasingly popular in Scotland until James II banned the game in 1457 because he felt that young men were playing too much golf instead of practicing their archery. The ban was upheld by James III and remained in force until 1502 when James IV became a golfer himself and removed the ban. Interesting history. Andrew's legacy is remarkable for a man whose character was on display in only four passages of Scripture. Here's the point. Small things can make a big difference. So let's look at the four passages and see what we can learn from them. Firstly, Mark chapter 13, verse 3 to 4, it says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? The prelude to this passage is that Jesus is starting to make references to the end times. In effect, is his second coming. And the first group of Jesus' disciples, the, the group headed by the bold Peter, are demonstrating a key characteristic of, of Peter's life. They're asking questions. They're not presuming to know it all. They're demonstrating what we talked about last week childlike faith. And, and Andrew is part of this inquisitive group. This is such a key dynamic for followers of Jesus to this day. Is there something you don't understand? Ask questions. 
Ask the Spirit to help you. Ask a friend to help you. Ask a, a pastor to help you. Ask someone and ask many people. The value of community is that we learn together. And one of the huge downfalls of individualism is that we're sometimes too scared to ask questions because of our, our pride and our fear of looking like we don't know anything. But, but Andrew, he wasn't scared to ask questions. And neither should we be. The second passage that references Andrew is in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 40 to 42. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah! That is the Christ! And he brought him to Jesus. What we know about Andrew is that he was a follower of John the Baptist. So when John the Baptist identified Jesus as being the Messiah, Andrew was the first to then follow Jesus. And that event was so powerful for Andrew because it was the culmination of everything that he had heard from the prophets and from the, the ancient texts for all of his life that his first reaction was to go and tell someone. To go and, and tell the, the good news to his brother Simon. Can you picture him scurrying around trying to find Simon? And when he finds him, can you hear the excitement in his voice? Hey, Simon, listen up. We've found the Messiah. Come, I'll take you to him. And that's what you do when you found something amazing. You tell someone. Over this last week, I've been telling my friends about Costco, which has recently opened here in Auckland, that I visited for the first time last weekend. I mean, it's amazing. The trolleys are so big. Everything is big. The bag of salted cashew nuts are so big. I've been telling my friends how I brought a, a three-pack of rinse aid for our dishwasher because it was such an amazing price. And the bottles are so big, I can't even fit them under our sink. Amazing. But how much more amazing is it when we recognize the Messiah? Or how much more amazing should it be Andrew's character shows that knowing the Messiah is life-shattering, history-changing, so much so that we would want to, to tell people about it. Well, he told his brother at that point, and then later on he told someone else, and then someone else. And then the legacy of St. Andrew is that the snowball effect took over. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, who have we told recently about the Messiah that we say has changed our lives? Andrew's character became infectious as he lived in the grace of Jesus. The third reference we find is in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 8 to 9. It says, Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? This passage continues the pattern we've started to see in Andrew. He notices little things and he asks simple questions that, that God can ultimately answer. Most of you will know this scene. Jesus and his disciples find themselves in a location with thousands of hungry villagers and nothing to feed them with. It seems like an impossible situation. But it's Andrew who notices a boy in the crowd with five loaves of bread and two small fish. And he wonders aloud, how might this be useful? He doesn't have an answer, 
but he's willing to ask the question. Faith like a mustard seed and all of that, maybe God might be able to do something. I love that Andrew was willing to to start small and dream of the possibilities. As the saying goes, start small, think big. Most of all, start. And this is Andrew. Just starting small, telling his brother, looking at a small boy with small loaves and small fish. Can you hear the wheels turning in his head, thinking aloud that that with the Messiah, all things are possible? This is Andrew's character coming through. I wonder what small thing you might want to ask of God today. What small act of faith can you live out today? You never know what God will do with that. The last reference to Andrew we find is in John chapter 12, verse 20 to 22. And it says this. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Now, it's easy for us to see this as another example of quiet evangelism, a group of people wanting to hear more about Jesus. And Andrew was one of the two disciples who go and tell Jesus this. But this scripture is much more profound than that. And it has a powerful application for our world today. You see, the feast was Passover. And every good Jewish person would attend Passover. But Greeks? They're not Jewish. And they're certainly not circumcised. Surely Jesus wouldn't want Greeks at Passover. It's no coincidence, though, that the Greeks went and asked the two disciples with Greek names, Philip and Andrew, whether they could see Jesus. The English translation of that request doesn't actually do it justice. The the Greeks are effectively asking whether they could follow Jesus. Could they find salvation in the Messiah, even though they weren't part of the, the chosen people, the elite? And when we read the longer version of John chapter 12, Jesus responds to this request by saying in my paraphrase, of course, anyone and everyone is welcome. Here's what I think. Andrew is involved in one of the first biblical conversations that seeks to address systemic racism. He's enabling Jesus to make a profound and earth shattering statement for the time Racism has no place in the kingdom of heaven. Of course Greeks are welcome. Anyone is welcome. Andrew ended up doing exactly what Jesus said he would do when he called them. Fishing for people and bringing them to the Messiah. All people. Any person. Folks in a world that is divided and still violently clashes over issues of race. The kingdom we proclaim abhors any division based on color or ethnicity. All are equally welcome in God's plan for the world. If we have even the slightest bit of prejudice within us, that does not come from God and cannot be justified from Scripture anywhere at any time. Andrew quietly told Jesus, and Jesus responded that that all people We're coming. All people are welcome. It was a proclamation of such good news. Friends, what we see in Andrew is a quiet character that just got on with the business of fishing for people, one life at a time. 
quietly asking Jesus questions so that he keeps growing, quietly going and getting his brother because he's found the Messiah, quietly dreaming about the possibilities that might come through small things and quietly making profound statements through his determined but subtle actions. Four powerful scriptures, all with significant application to the way that we live our lives today. Andrew deserves the legacy that he has. Diametrically opposite to his brother, the character attributes that we see within him show us that he knew who he was and who he wasn't, and he lived in his God-given strengths. He didn't fall into the comparison trap of wanting to be like the upfront guy like his brother Peter. In fact, Andrew is more commonly called the disciple of small things. I think Andrew is saying two important things to us through his minimal but significant part in Scripture. Firstly, Andrew is speaking to those of you who who aren't secure in who you are. He's saying to you to avoid sinking into self-pity parties. His character is declaring that every single one of us has a part to play in the kingdom of God. Discover the part that you have to play and life will become significantly more content. If you're not an upfront person, great. Imagine if we were all like Billy Graham or Craig Rochelle or Grant Harris. That would make life boring. We need each other to know that God has placed in us more than ever gifts and abilities that are unique to us. Secondly, the disciple of small things is saying that small things matter. Every little conversation matters. Every little idea matters. Whatever God is placing on our hearts matters. And Andrew's life is asking us to think about maybe the one person that we have on our hearts that might need to hear the good news of Jesus that we say is within us. Through the life that we live and the words that we say, I wonder who that one person is for you. I love that Peter and Andrew are the first two of Jesus' disciples that we've looked at. You may have seen yourself in one of them, or you may see yourself next week as we look at James, or the week after that when we look at John, or maybe the week after that when we look at Judas. (laughs) I pray that we would look at these people's lives and that we would be encouraged to see the character that is being developed within us uniquely within us, but as part of each other's lives, sisters and brothers in Christ, as part of the global church. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that Andrew was so different to his brother Peter. It makes for a rich family life, makes for a diverse study of character. And we thank you for Andrew, the legacy that is so strong in the world today. Every time we go past a St. Andrew's of whatever it might be, it reminds us of the disciple of small things who quietly went about asking questions, telling people about Jesus, looking at possibilities of how small things might be used for big purposes. Father, speak to us today about our character. Help us to identify the gifts that we have within us and to celebrate them knowing that we are all equally called to be part of what you are doing in our world. And help us to know the embrace of your spirit today, leading us and guiding us, teaching us about what our next steps might be this week. Perhaps we have questions that we need to ask or we have people that we want to talk to or 
environments where our character can model what you're doing within us. We thank you for your words. We thank you that it speaks into our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.